0: be joined by the Waitmans team Sarah and Chris joining me for the third and final episode in this series where we're going to look at some of the Uh, issues that may crop up during the course of 2024 for vehicle operators and uh, and things to keep an eye out for. We're going to be talking a bit about maintenance providers and effective management of those and subcontractors, as well as maybe a touch on agency drivers and potentially around brake testing and, and issues like that when we're talking about the maintenance provider thing too. And then ADAS as well, which is going to be a bit of a challenge. And I feel like we may have the old ostrich syndrome where we've got people burying their heads in the ground when it comes to thinking about dvs and those kinds of things certainly people seem to be holding holding back before they uh push forward on that so it'll be interesting to have a good discussion around uh, what's coming down the line in october for for driving in london so um kick things off then let's talk uh let's talk all things maintenance providers sarah mm. um what have you got what have you got in the pipeline when uh, with, with 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 maintenance providers
1: well i think one thing that we see with maintenance providers is a lot of blame put on them um and often you know people are very quick to take responsibility away from themselves and put it on the maintenance provider well they'll say to us my maintenance provider did it i should be able to trust them right and yes there is a big element of that of course and the people that are doing your maintenance work really hard to ensure that it's at, at the standard it should be at but there's definitely more that can be done there and there's definitely like more stronger controls that you can put in place as a company and as a transport manager to ensure that you just have that good oversight over your maintenance providers and I mean I'm sure you see this a lot as well you know one thing we always recommend is sort of ensuring your maintenance provider management so Things that are on offer are putting an SLA in place. If there's things you want your maintenance providers to do, then you need to tell them. You know, they'll go through the PMI form and they'll tick it off and, and that's their job. Um, but if you want them to do extra, you probably need to put something in place to agree that with them. Firstly, talk to them about it. Secondly, you might need to get something in writing to ensure that they do it. And you, you might also need to pay them more. So it's a commercial consideration as well because you can't expect more than, than you're paying for um, just to be a freebie. So I think that's the first thing. And that's something we often help clients with, getting an SLA in place um, that, that might be brief, but it just specifies exactly what you want extra and exactly what you expect from them. Um, another thing that we always say that is a really good idea is to do maintenance provider audits, and I know you do these, Pete, so Thank we can you. talk more about it. Yeah, sure. Um, but you know, again, it offers such a good opportunity for you to go down there and see what they're doing. If you've got all these complaints, fine, but go and check what they're doing first because you know you're relying on them to provide you with a service and they can only do as much as they can do if you want more you need to go and check out what they're doing and i think that's really important i mean what do you see when you go and do maintenance providers? yes yeah, so,
0: so so i i wholeheartedly wholeheartedly agree i think um one, one of the challenges i come across is that sometimes maintenance providers can be particularly prickly mm-hmm. um when it comes to having their standards uh, challenged mm-hmm. and that they think that well, we we just fix the trucks, and uh, it's up to you to have. Sorry, I, I probably shouldn't put a voice <laughs> on, but you kind of get the idea of in some cases that the the scenario that goes along the lines of well, we fix the vehicles. You're the one with the operator license. It's your issue. Yeah. Um, but as you say, I think I think SLAs are a really fantastic uh, solution. I think documented review meetings on a regular basis. I think one of the challenges when I put my sort of health and safety hat on, and some of the advancements we've seen culturally from a safety point of view, when we look at KPI. Is trying to advance KPIs to a current measure against a lag measure so for example on OCRS we, we particular KPIs we look at in our industry is the OCRS score and we also look at MOT uh, test results mm. now essentially that's a lag measure as well it's something that's been and occurred it's not the current standard of, of, of the way things are operating so a good audit will look at um, certainly, the ways and means that the, op- uh, the the maintenance provider operate the certainly the the QC process in place. Um, so you know that's really important to u- for them to understand the operator license and the training that they're undertaking internally because they need to understand that the impact they can have on you as the operator. And um, that that that's a that's a, a sort of key key consideration really is how open they are to having that dialogue with an operator. Um, And I think uh, I certainly wanted to sort of mention whilst we talked about maintenance is that actually it leads into this piece around effective subcontractor management as well, because operators have this sort of um, you know they have this duty put on them particularly with their operating centers that they'll have subcontractors come on to their operating center to carry work out it might be a maintenance provider or a, a tire fitting company or a glazing company etc and actually there's this requirement on them to ensure that they provide a safe uh, a safe facility for work in, but also vetting that uh, that you know th- those uh, those operate uh, people coming in to operate on in their premises to ensure that they've got effective risk assessments mm-hmm. that you know have the have the employees been properly inducted um, which I guess will lead on to agency drivers shortly but um, you know that, that whole sub- subcontract manager pe- uh, management piece is really really important and I think that maintenance providers fall into that and I think if operators start to push expectations more on maintenance providers that they have a better understanding of the operator licensing and the impact and how vital they are in that whole that whole sort of ecosystem of making sure the vehicles are safe on the road um i i think i think that could only be a great thing for the industry um certainly there's been some talk of um some type of hygiene system that's right for, yeah it's uh, like a
1: hygiene rating like yeah. we see in restaurants for maintenance providers and you know who knows what will come of it but you know it could offer a really good opportunity if maintenance providers choose to i don't know what the scheme will look like a join up a subscription who knows but it will give maintenance providers and operators an opportunity to then reevaluate themselves and see where they're at and and i think it will see a shift in what what maintenance providers companies choose to use because you know it's like walking into a restaurant you don't want to go into a one star do you well you might but you don't know how you're (laughs) going to walk out um or if you will walk out but you know and then if you see a five-star maintenance provider that will put your mind at ease won't it you know and so i think it's a really good thing that we're, we're seeing happening and we are seeing that you know, people are really looking at this and taking it very seriously because so often I go to public inquiry and, and the, the transport manager or the director of the company go, well, I just relied on the maintenance provider. So, you know, and that just doesn't wash with the traffic commissioner. You need to have that greater oversight. So I think what we're saying is is completely true there. And, and I think definitely with regards to the health and safety side of things, um, whilst I'm not not an expert, I know that during health and safety um, investigations, often those things are requested, you know, the risk assessment, did you have one? Why not? And it, these are not hard hard documents to formulate and to just get done. You know, they should be part of the process all the time. So that's definitely a big recommendation from me is, is make sure those documents are there and, and they remain there. They're, they're put somewhere, filed securely and safely, so that if you ever need them in the future, you can come back to them.
0: I Yeah, I agree. I think I think it boils down to accountability in that the the traffic commissioner expects the operator to be accountable mm. for their operations. but. The operator needs to make the maintenance provider accountable and manage them effectively around their accountability, around the road safety and the way they're operating. The great thing about introducing a hygiene scheme will be that that you will kind of know the maintenance providers, if they're five-star, they're committed. Mm. They're committed to holding high standards and they're committed to having an open and transparent conversation. I think one of the challenges I come across is many of them are... Aren't open to having a transparent conversation. They, they, they will look to blame others when it comes to you know a a real sort of uh, uh, sort of challenge when you when you start to challenge them around an MOT failure and you send over an investigation report well why did this MOT fail and they sort of push back going well it just failed it's not our problem that that's a real sort of challenge around uh, around that maintenance provider for us as mm. well so um, there's maybe some changes coming up this year with brake testing are we looking at a potential update there
1: yeah so you know the guides to maintaining roadworthiness, and um, we'll see those updates this year and we have heard but potentially there's more updates on the horizon so watch this space maybe that's something we'll come back and chat about V. Yeah, um sure. but yeah it's just keeping a regular out on the guide to maintaining roadworthiness and making sure that you know what's in it. Have a read. You know it, it's quite long but it's it's invaluable to understanding what is required and what is expected
0: absolutely i think um I think the thing with brake testing is is that operators still seem to lack clarity around the expectations i think yeah. there's still a there's still a challenge there isn't there? I know um the last update short saw uh, uh there's going to be an introduction of a more robust process, but currently there's this Sort of greyness or a perceived greyness for operators around the need for a brake test at every inspection, mm-hmm. which is a requirement, and then a meaningful brake test, yeah. which the term meaningful isn't particularly helpful because people understand laden and unladen, but meaningful, what does that actually mean? And you know, so there, there is some, uh, some grey areas. I think there could be some work done to clarify that for yeah. operators. And, and I and think just to, just to add my, my, my
2: kind of part to this is that this is a, a maintenance shortage of maintenance providers is a well-known problem in the industry at the moment it's so, it's so on the radar of the traffic commissioners that they've included it as a specific area of concern for the industry in the most recent um, annual reports that they released so I think there really is a recognition on the part of the regulator that this is these are not easy times that a lot of people who were um, working in that uh, in in maintenance maintenance providers have gone and started driving trucks for more money, mm-hmm. um, and at the same time we've got ever more advanced technology fitted to vehicles an ever higher threshold that, um, uh, of, for, for maintenance to hit. We, we've, we've got a difficult situation at the moment.
1: Mm. Hello, it's Sharni from Flagship Partners. We are really proud to sponsor the Fleet Geeks podcast. If you need expert advice or training for your fleet business, make Flagship Partners your first choice. We are really excited to announce the launch of our Transport Manager Academy with expert development for fleet leaders, we offer fully accredited initial transport manager cpc training cpc refresher and operator license awareness training as well as mentoring support and professional development beyond the qualification our vision is to develop elite fleet professionals
2: and it's a problem that hasn't got an easy solution it's going to take time but anything I, but it's it's operators and maintenance providers working together coming up with solutions That are going to produce an outcome of safe vehicles on the road that's where you know that that that's what it's about
1: and it's not a blame game is it you know and it, it can't be a blame game it needs to be you know definitely a joint working together to get what what we all want out of it, so yeah. and that's just safe vehicles on the road, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely,
0: know? absolutely. And I think I I empathise particularly with maintenance providers because the challenge is, like Chris quite rightly says, is that uh, the driving roles now, with wages increase, to try and fix the to in an attempt to fix the driving driver shortage crisis. The challenge is, is that a, a HGV driver is trained relatively quickly when you compare that to an effective and good quality maintenance technician and even a diagnostic technician in a workshop. That's a potentially three to five year process to train someone to do that role really well and with emerging expectations and you know alternative fuels and electrified vehicles and you know all all of the different challenges that are coming it's a very exciting landscape but also a very challenging one technically for for people to deal with Um really interesting so whilst we're talking about the management of subcontractors and uh, and that element and ensuring that you've got SLAs in place which I think is a great suggestion by the way to to introduce the SLAs and also we didn't mention it but I think it's worth mentioning it again there if people had missed it in the first episode you've got the transport management manage a comply element which helps you manage maintenance providers as well um, and, and make sure that they're doing the uh, things they need to do. Let's have a quick chat about agency drivers. <laughs> uh, Let's open that can away. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Uh,
2: I mean, I mean, this is an area, the use of agency drivers has long been under scrutiny just because statistically they, um, they represent a lot of the cases that end up before the traffic commissioner involves um, something that's gone wrong um, involving an agency driver agency drivers obviously fulfill a vital role in the industry uh, to cover shortages to keep um, to to keep businesses going uh, and there's a really valuable place for them what we have been seeing recently however is that the traffic commissioners have been really putting on operators use of agency drivers under greater and greater scrutiny there was a case public inquiry case that was um uh, it was it was heard in two parts but it concluded in november of last year so it's pretty fresh involving an operator who uh who had come under fire for exactly this issue and and it was before the senior traffic commissioner richard turf and it was considered significant enough by the office of the traffic commissioner, that they not only published a decision, but they released it as part of a wider press report out to the industry. Which, when the senior traffic Commission is doing that, it's it's, it's one of those ones that everyone should sit up and take notice, <laughs> as this is the direction of focus that they're going to be looking at um, ever more. And that case, uh, it was you know, to be fair, there were multiple issues with that case, but in a really basic sense, it was a very, relatively small operator that had. Uh, in the past been using drivers engaged through limited companies. At a previous public inquiry it had given an undertaking that it would um, put the drivers on the books get them properly employed Uh, unfortunately it hadn't immediately happened they'd been engaged through an agency and it was only by the time of public inquiry number two that uh, proper employment arrangement had been set up and the traffic commissioner so first of all we have clearly a concern around undertaking not being initially followed but a wider Um, piece around well when is it okay to use agency drivers and here the traffic commissioner went into great detail into the HMRC guidance on this and it was quite interesting because if you look at the HMRC guidance it actually puts quite strong firm guardrails around when it is appropriate to use agency drivers when an agency driver no longer is an agency driver and becomes an employee Mm. if you've got a permanent agency driver who drives for your business and you're telling them what to do and this is a long-term arrangement then actually that looks an awful lot like an employment arrangement and if you're not paying their tax and national insurance that can look an awful lot like an unfair commercial advantage that you're getting and the the press report uh, the traffic commissioner referred to um, specifically mentioned and they used the word a sham agency arrangements as something that they're really going to be doubling down on and it also pointed to other 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 requirements once an agency's been working agency has been working with you after 12 for more than 12 weeks certain additional rights and responsibilities kick in and there's a huge piece around there and my, my and i believe this concern is shared with by the traffic commissioners or they wouldn't have gone down this route is that actually an awful lot of operators out there particularly the medium-sized smaller operators uh, are thinking I've you know half I've got 25% of my drivers are agency drivers and um, I don't really think about it. I just go to the agency, I use them long term, and that's it. But you're then in a position where actually next time there's an incident involving DVSA or the Traffic Commissioner or anything at all that comes on their radar, what do you then do if they say, okay, tell us, demonstrate how you are complying with the full HMRC guidance on this? And that's where I think a lot of operators are going to be on the back foot and are going to be scrambling around thinking, oh, actually, maybe we're not. Um, so I think this was a, a warning flag from Richard Turford that uh, operators would be well advised to look into. Other parts of that uh, are, of course, a health and safety bit. Sort of what you mentioned earlier, um, it doesn't matter whether they're agency or employed, if they are working for you, if they're on your premises, if they're behind your vehicles. Your responsibility is to make sure they um, have full and proper inductions, training, all of the things that you might give to um, uh, protect the safety of your employees. This is something that you have to be doing with your agency drivers. And this sort of segues to what I think we were going to talk about next. I'm sort of taking over your podcast. No, here that's here. fine. No, that's <laughs> fine. You're going to have to wrestle me off Let this mic if yeah, you're not yeah, careful. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. But I'll just quickly just touch on it. Uh, is um, in the old days, it wouldn't be too difficult getting an agency driver in and saying, there's the truck, it's a truck, mm-hmm. you know how to drive it, it's got wing mirrors, it's got a steering wheel, that's fine. Uh, re- relatively simple matter. Um, Induction is not going to be a big deal. Nowadays, what do you do if you get an agency driver and you push them behind a brand new truck fitted with uh, all kinds of advanced driver assistance systems, all kinds of direct vision standard equipment fitted to it, um, all of which you're expecting that agency driver to know how to use, know how to incorporate into their walk-around walk checks, know what to do when a red light flashes on a box on the cab that they have no idea what it does and what it's about, uh, know how to record um, their walk-around checks for something simple as that on a company-issued PDA. Whatever it is, it's a substantially different situation to the old days mm-hmm. and that responsibility on you as an operator to do that really high level induction has got you getting higher and higher and higher and, and it's going to get even more interesting isn't it when alternative fuel vehicles come in have you got a driver who's ever agency drivers ever driven one of those vehicles um, something more specialist perhaps y- you're introducing a lot of risk there and that risk has to be managed and that puts unfortunately ever greater responsibilities on transport managers on the health and safety team because you you know when something goes wrong as unfortunately they do go wrong it, th- this whole arrangement is going to be under the spotlight. So it's, uh, I, I feel like I probably brought the mood down a little bit, <laughs> but there's opportunities here to really start thinking about this yeah. sort of stuff now.
1: Yeah, and we can help with it, you know, getting policies and procedures in place that you run people through, but you do run through people through, you don't just check them at them and ask them to sign them, you know, things like that, you know, we can help with that kind of thing um, in getting those policies and procedures in place to make sure that you've got a really good operation
0: yeah absolutely uh, did you invite Chris along or, uh, <laughs> like, no I was just here I, I just saw a microphone and I just went through it can't help it <laughs> no fantastic uh, well Chris as, as always and Sarah of course I, I appreciate your insights on this so you, you, you have just indicated that we have got a um, DVS is due to be updated later this year and um, I just want to sort of refocus on that point actually because I don't want it to get lost in, in translation. So the one thing is really important with the ADAS systems or the advanced driver, advanced driver assistance systems is that we need to properly induct drivers and train them on using them. We need to give clear guidance on when a defect is a defect and not a defect what um what challenges are you coming across about like you say writing policies and making sure that procedures are in place is that something that you're you're starting to help operators with
1: yeah well that's that's just it you know and and i think i've, I've been in a few few different um expos and conferences this year and been inside these vehicles and wow there's so much going on you know it, it, it's not driving it's like 10 million jobs it's, it's really difficult so it is making sure that any driver um an employee driver uh, an agency driver they know what's going on because how can you expect them to just know there's so much now um so it's getting policies procedures in place but also the equipment you're using now we know that this equipment is um it's quite expensive and um you know you need to ensure that you get it fitted properly you buy it from a proper supplier and otherwise there we see problems happening with the equipment mm-hmm. you know and and buying equipment just off off the internet and trying to fit it yourself well how are you recalibrating that how are you ensuring that the equipment is up to scratch and is constantly up to scratch because if you start getting those red warning lights and your driver's got no idea what's going on and he keeps driving it and doesn't put it down on a defect report and it never gets fixed and then something bad happens what happens then who's accountable well of course it's going to be the company because you haven't got the procedures in place to train your staff to um, ensure that the the equipment's being properly checked and audited if you like and and properly recalibrated so it's just ensuring that a you get the proper equipment it's fitted properly and safely and you get enough equipment to make sure you have exactly what you need and then it's introducing it into your business and it's training the transport managers on it how are they going to know as well you know training transport managers drivers um, anyone you have in an internal workshop or anything like that and also telling your workshop we've now got this too because mm-hmm. again how are they going to know to check it if it's not been requested of them and yeah. that's why we go back to where we were talking before about getting those service level agreements in place if you want them to check more you need to tell them so. yeah
0: absolutely and are you going to update the PMI sheet and all exactly. of those additional and you challenges? drive
1: a defect report are you going to add it onto there you know and what's what's the expectation yeah,
0: yeah. and 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 I, I suppose what's the guidance around that as well when this camera doesn't work no it's not an MOT failure but are we going to continue to operate it until it next goes in are exactly. we not going to you know what it, are we going to keep it out of London because it's not operational but we'll operate it elsewhere Those used to see need to be made and I think, I think there's a real paradigm shift now but around the driver's role from um, you know many of the drivers that we have at, at, with an industry average age of 55 uh, mm-hmm. for, for driving, driving team members and vehicles the advancement that we've now had in that period of time when they first started their careers where vehicles you turned the key and engine started you waited for the coil light to go out you might have had a manual choke on cars particularly but you know manual gearboxes and you you had a speedometer and you had a rev range and and a a fuel gauge and that was about it right and now there's cameras and there's sensors and there's Uh, not even mirrors anymore you've got mirror cams and like i say there's there's a, a lot of stuff and all of the different models vary and there's there's lots of little intricacies for each of them so there's there's lots to consider when we do you haven't
1: even problems. added in the extra cars on the road and the scooters and the pedestrians and the animals oh wow yeah,
0: yeah well you're absolutely right yeah e-scooters let's do another podcast on, on that, those at some yeah. point yeah shall we? um uh, that draws us to a conclusion on on the stuff we're looking forward to for for, for this year but there's lots of challenges as ever and um guys it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for your investment and commitment to come on the podcast for the last three episodes thanks for having us it's been an absolute blast yeah really really appreciate it and uh, i love i love getting to chew the fat with industry professionals and just sort of chat through stuff and people get to listen in like they're sat on the sofa with us or in this case in in on the ninth floor on colmoreau looking overlooking (laughs) i'm just going to draw the picture for you guys listening we're literally overlooking the landscape I can see uh, three cranes. I can see the BT Tower. Oh, I can see even more cranes that side actually and a church. It's absolutely incredible viewpoint. So uh, yeah, if you're ever interested in getting down to Waitman's Birmingham office, <laughs> it, is, it is someplace. So book a call in with, uh, uh, with Chris and Sarah and that'd be uh, really worthwhile. But thank you guys for coming along. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope that you listeners have enjoyed it as well. And uh, if you have any regulatory concerns, any risk management you need supporting with, uh, SLAs, contracts, those kinds of things, uh, please do make sure you get in touch with Sarah or Chris who you can find on LinkedIn or on the Waitman's website. Uh, Thank you very much and uh, see you all on the next one. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please share with your friends and colleagues too. Join us for free on Facebook with the Fleet Geeks community for transport and fleet managers. Fleet Geeks offers ongoing professional development, networking and mentoring too. So get in touch with me, Pete Rushmer on any social media platform to find out more.